The Moten Mailbag is brought to you by the Robert Russo Moten Museum, located in Farmville, Virginia. The Moten Museum is a civil rights museum focusing on the history of Prince Edward County between 1951 and 1964. Hi, I'm Kanan Townsend, Director of Education at the Moten Museum. And this is Leah Brown, the Assistant Director for Education. And welcome back to the Moten Mailbag, Season 2, Episode 3. We are back by popular demand. And that's a good theme because somebody else is with us, back by popular demand. Who? It's, it's me! Irene. <laughs> Irene, how are things going? They are going pretty well. Yeah. Happy to be back again. Really enjoyed being here last time, and I'm excited for the conversations that we're going to have today. Yeah, and I was just kind of sitting in the audio booth last time watching them to record, and I was like, this looks like so much fun. I got to get back <laughs> on. So we just decided to have all three of us here, and that's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be okay. So what's so what's new, y'all? What, what's happening in life? We are halfway through October, believe it or not, which is surreal yes spooky season fall you know how's everybody doing how's decorating houses and things going for everybody okay so target was supposed to have a new line of like nicer cutesy halloween stuff and i was like yes so i rolled target and i saw a couple things that are new but i could not justify buying a haunted sloth but i did think about it Yes. A hunted sloth. Yeah. So the sloth was wearing like a jack-o'-lantern orange onesie. And I was like, bruh, that's cute. That's really cute. But then, where where would I do with it? Where would I put it? (laughs) I wouldn't even know how to pitch that. Yeah. If I was like, you know, we need an idea. Sloth. mm -hmm. There was Sweater. Like, I don't Sweater. It's a onesie, not a sweater. Turtle, turtleneck, whatever it is. This is a very like a cardigan. I wouldn't even know how to pitch that. And there was in like the Target paper a nifty like sloth hanging from the door, like a door hanger, and I was like, oh yes, nice thought. Wouldn't just fall off your door because you know my command strips work for like a hot minute, but then it's just like, what's that noise in the house? So. I'm just not a big Halloween gal. Mm. It's not. Yeah. yeah, it's not my uh, <laughs> my cup of tea. It's not your cup of candy. No, it's no. not. <laughs> like some things, just like when you're a kid, it's just different. Like every yeah. holiday, like I yeah. feel like, except Thanksgiving, I feel like that's reversed. <laughs> like I feel like I didn't like Thanksgiving as a kid, but now I'm an adult. I'm like, yes, give me that about food. To eat. But like right. Halloween and Christmas and like. Mostly those two for me, at least. Like it was just like greatest kid, yeah, this is great. And now it's just like, eh, you know, they're alright. I mean, you know, being around family is nice and stuff. <laughs> but like, <laughs> as like an adult, like you can just go buy candy. Like I could yeah. just go buy my own candy. Like yeah. I don't know, it's just yeah. different. I mean, it does make sense, absolutely. Like for Halloween, for me, I like Halloween movies, but I don't like scary movies. Mm, so it's like, yes. yeah, balancing that and like my actual aesthetic. Um, because you know I have bats hanging in my house. So. Um, and 
like for Christmas, I remember when I was like, oh, this is miserable. Right? Like, this is not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, like, being an adult at Christmas, like, oh, you enjoy watching the kids open stuff. Yeah. But I already bought what I needed like two months ago. So. Yeah, it's like if you have, like, mm -hmm. if I want a TV, like, I'll just go, like, if I have the money, you know, yeah, I'll go buy a TV, it, yeah. like, the, wrap, the idea of wrapping it, and, like, I could buy a TV in April, like, why not <laughs> wait until December, mm -hmm. like, maybe November for, like, Black Friday or something. Oh, but, yeah, like, Black Friday. I, I love Black Friday now that I'm getting older. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's like a change happens. <laughs> yeah, change. It went like, from Christmas to Black Friday. <laughs> yeah. Y'all remember, like, Black Friday back in the day, like... When it was like people, the lines and like people. Yeah, like it was the one the Friday. Like, yeah. like, it was yeah. like really, really yeah. bizarre. Like, but I went last people year. People get Yeah. I went last year and there was just like a pallet of TVs just sitting there. Like 60 oh. inch. Like, you know, by the time I left, I think there was only like one or two left. But like, I was like, man, this is 10 years ago. Like, there would have been mobs. Yeah. Like, it was it's just crazy how far things have. Mm. Have come and how things evolved in technology and online yeah. shopping. Well, I'm thinking this year, you know, Black Friday, but but make it COVID. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So how is that gonna? Goodness. Yeah. Change things. I mean, that's just Cyber Monday. I feel like. Yeah. But also now. And Prime Day. Yeah. Which is oh, yeah. This week. This week. <laughs> mm. Like, if I don't have to go to a store, I don't go to the store anymore. Yeah. It's not a casual trip. It's like right. we have a purpose. We're yeah. at home. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I have a segue. Okay, I'm ready. My little one, we finished Thousand Books Before Kindergarten Yay! this week. Yeah. Wow. And I'm just like, She's well read. Thousand Books Before Kindergarten. Tried Thousand Books Before Nap Time. No, <laughs> She Look literally in. reads and reads and reads. And she will literally read like 10 books in a row if you let her. And it's just mm -hmm. like, Yes. Girl, can we do something? Can we do something else? Like, <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate your love of literature, but like, can we do something else? Let's watch a YouTube video. Let's watch TV. <laughs> like, please. Pick that book up. Screen time. Screen time, please. <laughs> yeah. like, no. Book. So, I, the reason I brought that up, one, because it was pretty neat, but two, because I think it's a perfect segue into our first question. Mm -hmm. I'll ask you all, and then we can always kind of riff and kind of go back to it from, from there. So, first question, uh, what are some good books about the Milton School story? So, the first book that I really read about the Moon School story was Bound for Freedom by Neil Sullivan, mm -hmm. who came into the county and really sort of orchestrated the opening of the free school. And that one was just really interesting to me because of the first person I count of what it was like right. to be here during a time when the idea of opening a desegregated, integrated school was really just still so radical in the amount of pushback that he got from the local community, you know, people calling his hotel, you know, with threats and all this, you know, but his persistence to say this is something that's important. These these children really need to be in school and I want to help them. I, I thought that was just so interesting. Yeah, that's a great book. And that's probably one of top, one of two, you know, the main mm -hmm. recommendations we give for you know, people who ask what we read about, you know, the Moton School story. I mean, in that case in particular, too, I mean, basically, like, a month out or something, or, like, two weeks, like, he had very, like, no notice, or, like, we need you to open the school. And he's like, uh, all right, hired the staff, <laughs> got yeah. the equipment, rented the school. Like, it was it's a fascinating read, if anybody gets the chance to, to read it. What about you, Leah? What you thinking? 
So um, they closed their schools. That was the first book I read when I began here at Moton. And it was an exhausting read because it's so much detail and there's so much happening simultaneously. So it begins talking about Reverend Griffin coming back to Farmville. And like, I know Reverend Griffin in theory, but learning about his like experience here, mm -hmm. along with the book covers the Moton story really. So mm -hmm. it's, it was overwhelming, but excellent in detail. Mm -hmm. I want to go back and reread to see mm -hmm. which names I now know, now that I know the community better. Mm -hmm. um, one of our storytellers, Miss Joy, she told me her granddad's in the book. So we're talking about her family history on top of yeah. just talking with her. I'm like, yes, give me all your information. Tell me mm -hmm. all these stories that I'm never gonna know otherwise. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the definitive book. Like that's the Moton School Storybook, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's probably number one and then Bound for Freedom is probably number two in terms of recommendations. And of course, y'all have left me to pick another book because those are kind of the number one and two for mm -hmm. me. So how about I switch it to young student, not young adult, like student literature. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Girl from the Tar Paper School, which is probably the best selling item in our bookstore mm -hmm. pretty consistently over the years um, by Terry Canefield. Um, really does a really great job of telling the story as it happens, but also kind of having some documents and some really cool pictures uh, in there as well. Um, really good for kind of middle school aged mm -hmm. students um, and really you know lower high school. Um, yeah, does a really good job. Girl from the Tar Paper School, if you want to get it, you can mm -hmm. find it pretty easily on Amazon or of course, shameless plug, come into our bookstore yeah, and buy yeah. it. Card only, but usually not a problem nowadays. All right, so I have a question for you two, Kanan and Leah. Mm -hmm. Who has been the most impactful visitor or groups for you at Moton? Leah, you want to go first? Or yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. All right, so I think the most impactful visitors are the ones that are in our galleries. You walk in like, oh, welcome to Moton. How are you guys doing? And they're like, that's me over there. Please tell me how you're in like our galleries. Mm -hmm. A woman um, came to visit with her son, and she was at Farmville High last, last week. So we're chatting it up, and she spoke about how when she and her husband got married, they're like, we're out, we're gone. Because they saw what was happening and didn't want to stay here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is a new perspective. This is a new experience. Yeah. Thank you for being comfortable to share that with me. So just the tidbits and stories that we gain along the way by people who lived it. Yeah. For me, those are the most like, huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I second that. I mean, it's always really interesting, like seeing the people like, and we, you know, I feel like we don't even fully grasp like how significant that is, like walking mm -hmm. beside, like sometimes we just can get so caught up in the moment that we like take for granted the significance of, of the moment. So I definitely agree with that. And it's really neat having people point out, or here's where I was in third grade or whatever, you know, with regards to the, to the building and the space. Um, so I'm gonna take us out of the museum. I was given a presentation um, along with our university liaison, and we were on campus along with university. It was three years ago. 
and we had the 50th anniversary of the graduating class of 1967. And I've told the story a couple of times recently, so this kind of was fresh in my mind. Really, really neat experience because it really goes to show how, you know, how, what's the word? Like history doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a much broader kind of context, but it's just interesting how people remember things and then, you know, how their experience shapes kind of what they know, if that makes any sense at all. So we were presenting to them about this Moton School story and talking about, you know, the history that happened and, you know, graduating class in 1967, it means it would have, some of them would have been here in 62, 63. Um, you know, so some of them here when Martin Luther King Jr. was here and when Bobby Kennedy was here and a big chunk of when the schools were closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you that we had to pick up their jaws from off the floor because they couldn't believe all mm-hmm. this stuff had happened here. And they were right down the road at the college and yeah. they had absolutely no idea. Um, and so it was, it was it was fascinating to me the types of questions and things that they were asking because it's like, you were, like, I was like, you were there. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. You're asking yeah. me. Like, yeah. I just work here. Like, you were, were there. And it was like, we just, we just don't know. Like, we just didn't know that happened. And so, you know, and I was like, a lot of that's intentional, right? Like, yeah. if you know the, you know, the full or, full or different story, like, you're going to see things differently. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's fascinating that these yeah. women, you know, who were here, when all this stuff happened, they just were absolutely flabbergasted. And it's sort of interesting to think about because, you know, Farmville is sort of always characterized as that small town. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows the town gossip, what's mm-hmm. going on, you know. And even then, the town was just so much smaller in that mm-hmm. this big thing that was happening, not just here, but all over the country. And right. that it was sort of just they were in their own Longwood bubble. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of scary to think about. It. Yeah. Like, what else did y'all miss? So y'all yeah. Like, Ooh. But then going back to what you said, Irene, like the bubble, mm-hmm. it's like a need to know, you know, yeah. need to know this information. Yeah. And thinking about what, because having spoken to someone who was on campus at that time, like, oh, we were told we couldn't leave. That that purposeful yeah, lack of uh-huh. access to knowledge. That's a lot. Oof. Mm-hmm. It was quite heavy for them. Um, certain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but interesting, you know, it was just something to think about in terms of like misinformation versus mm-hmm. lack yes. of access to information, yeah, which for sure, for sure. very much gave me, you know, thinking about like enslavement. I know this is kind of like a, a different we <laughs> recommendation, but like, um, just, you know, when, when you think about enslaved people, mm-hmm. like you couldn't teach them how to read. Why? Well, you could read, you could falsify documents or do whatever. Yeah. Like reading was power, right? Like yeah. access to information was power. So like mm-hmm. if you can deny people access to that, yeah. then you could deny them that, that power. Mm-hmm. So thinking about mm-hmm. that kind of comparison, very yeah. different, but yeah. similar in yeah. a way. It's very interesting yeah. experience. If you know what's going on, you could do something about right. it. And, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Like, you know, going off of that, like critical thinking skills, if you have the ability to question because yeah. you have per, like perspectives of mm-hmm. options. Right. It changes your decision making because you know better because you have access yeah. to different perspectives. Yeah, it's very Oof. cyclical. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Y'all? <laughs> this, yeah, didn't plan on it going there, but it did, you know. Yeah. It's, just, it's pod, you roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ari? So I haven't been at Moton for too long. It's been maybe six or eight weeks or so and you know it's because of covid we haven't had a whole lot of people coming in but i do remember when i was in fifth grade at the county school we had 
a couple of women come in to talk to us about their time growing up here in Farmville and they were actually part of the generation that was not able to go to school for five years. And I just remember thinking, you know, little fifth grade me, I guess was maybe 10 or so thinking, these women just did not have access to education, you know, something that I didn't know at the time, but I just took for granted. And hearing their stories about how, you know, day to day for five years, they would just try and do what they could to sort of get any information, you know, try to read as much as they could, whether it was, you know, the family Bible or, you know, if they had older siblings or older, you know, their parents just, trying to figure out how can I stay as in tune as they could. And I just, you know, hearing about that at such a young age was, it was, it was a lot to deal with at the time, you know, trying to figure out like, wow, that was, that was really something that happened and that they had to deal with. But yeah. It's interesting you had that take on it because often I feel like, and really they don't, students don't start to like sort of get it until mm-hmm. like maybe like, eighth grade but like I feel like mm-hmm. and then the school's close to five years like there's like a yeah that'd be great like mm-hmm. that's usually the reaction it's like yeah. oh yeah and, and, and they thought so too for about two weeks yeah and then after that like they didn't have video games or mm-hmm. most of them didn't have TVs like yeah. they couldn't just they didn't have multiple cars you couldn't just drive to a friend's house like mm-hmm. you were lucky you, if you had a sibling who didn't get on your last nerve like yeah. you like you were lucky if you had a friend that, who lived next door or down the road like mm-hmm. Literally, school is where they went to to do stuff, everything. Like, it's where they socialized. It's yeah. where they hung out. It's where they played. Um, and then the school closes really took that all away from, from yeah. them. And so they just, you know, they were, like you said, like, they would read phone books. Like, they, anything that they could find to get their hands on to continue to try to, to, to continue their literacy mm-hmm. and, um, and education, they, they really tried their best to. But it was difficult because they didn't yeah. have stuff. Yeah. Um, and that kind of actually, is, I feel like this is all the, all the COVID comparisons, but, like, it just reminded me, like, students now, like, they're only getting, like, this is awful. Like, this is terrible because, like, if you're only, if you're doing only remote learning, it's like you're getting the worst part, not the worst parts, but, like, you're getting, like, all the rigor and yeah, none of the, yeah. like, yeah. you're not getting lunch, you're not yeah. getting PE, you're not getting reset. It's just, like, you're literally just doing work. It's just, like, yeah. how do, like, yeah, yeah. I just can't yeah. imagine what that is like. Yeah, the social students. literacy. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Because I was thinking, like, hmm, this sounds like right now. Yeah. Cause like if you if you're staying at home, if mm-hmm. you're being like cautious as mm-hmm. you know, doing what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. you're not going out, you're not yeah. doing things. And I'm like, look, it is time yeah. to do something. But yeah. also it's like, no, 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 stay at home, be smart, yeah. be responsible. Mm-hmm. And then I think about like students, you like when I where I grew up, it's small community, we could walk to houses. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Convenient. Mm-hmm. But not being able to see or talk to someone or just like sit beside someone. Yeah. And like I couldn't imagine being like a third grader trapped at yeah. home. Because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, like, well, since you're here, you yep. have chores to do on top of doing yeah. mm-hmm. school work on top. And it's like, well, great. Well, that's yeah. what it was like in the 60s for sure. Yeah. You, know, you work, you know, they yeah. had fun. Yes. Like I said, they had fun for two weeks. Yeah, that's because then the fall crops came in. And mm-hmm. you had to go yeah. to work. So it's like, well, yeah. come on. Be nice if school could open up now. And it <laughs> just like, let us back. did not. So. Yeah. And that's just the first year. Men yeah. in like year two. Yeah. 
and the demoralization. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. It's so much. Scary. Scary time. Mm-hmm. All right. On to the last question of this episode. Yeah. I think this is yours, Leah. Yeah. All right, you guys. What is the coolest object you've ever seen slash replica you have touched or smelled? I guess I kind of have two for me the first one I took a tour of the Capitol building in Washington DC and I want to say it was maybe 2018 and I was able to walk up the steps going into I guess it's the rotunda mm-hmm. the top you know it's, cool. and they're the original steps that you know all the founding fathers and you know, the original greats that sort of built our country, you know, they walked off those same steps and, you know, they sort of had the indentations from where feet from just over the past hundred or couple hundred years had been walked up and, you know, being in that, in that space, you know, it was, it was a heavy moment, you know, sort of walking along the greats. And I guess the other, interesting coolest object that I've touched was I had the opportunity to go to Argentina the other year with my mom and we took a tour of the Andes Mountains which is where the Uruguayan rugby team crashed and I want to say it was maybe 19... Seven, the 1970s, mm-hmm. late 60s or so. It's fairly recent. Yeah. I thought you were going to say in the 30s or 40s or something. No. Yeah, no, oh. it's, yeah, so the Uruguayan rugby team, they crashed in the Andes Mountains on their way to a game in Chile. And uh, I was able to talk with one of the survivors Whoa. from the crash. Yeah. And, you know, hearing his story and all the things that they went through, you know, they're up in the mountains for maybe three months or so. And, you know, seeing wow. some of the rocks that were from the mountains was just, it was heavy. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. And that, you know, for anyone who doesn't know that story, it's definitely one to look into. Me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. some Googling after this. Yeah, they sure. Yeah. Fairly, uh, fairly, you know, competent with sports tragedy, but yeah. I, I missed one or two. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's, that. you know, it, the camaraderie that you know comes with being on a rugby team to begin with Mm -hmm. but you know you lose some of your teammates and family members and in this just incident and then being able to talk with one of the survivors and you know see parts of this the original crash site was just whoa yeah it was it was really interesting because it's like what would you ask what could you ask of a survivor it would just be like what are you willing to tell yeah exactly you know it's such a it's a powerful moment you know how do you talk about the loss of some of your best friends some of your brothers you know and it's just it was amazing it was really incredible oh 100 percent no, I know. Well, I was like, I need to think about my answer again. <laughs> I'm about to hit a single, and Irene just hit a grand slam. So <laughs> let me. I, I do. Speaking of founders and being in the room where it happened, no. um, I'm gonna cheat because I don't touch stuff. Because good, I don't touch stuff, and I don't really <laughs> like it to smell stuff neither. Yeah. But seeing, I, I just remember going to to Montpelier. 
um, for the first time um, and just the first time like stepping out kind of into the field and I just remember looking at the trees and just thinking about how old the trees were like yeah. and it just mm-hmm. really sincerely asking like what if these trees could talk like what would they yeah, yeah. The witness trees say? they're yeah. amazing what, what secrets they do they have like yeah. some of my ancestors could have came from this place like mm-hmm. I, I I just, it was it was something like you could it just felt different yeah like like going into a space like this doesn't really happen for me at Moton as as much anymore because I'm here every day so like it's hard to recognize what that feeling is but like when I go to a historic place like the air feels different yeah like the, just you could feel the people who kind of came before you in a sense and it's just was like this really weird feeling mm-hmm. for me it was cool but like it was just like man like what you know. 100 years ago, 200 years ago, like what was, yeah. what was happening here. And then to be able to go into the house um, was interesting. Um, but probably my kind of favorite experience from that is going to see their fairly new at the time exhibit, The Mere Distinction of Color, mm-hmm. um, which was talking about the slave trade. Um, and, I, and I think it's a, it shows kind of how far we have come with regards to the complexities of our founders. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really goes to show like, you know, so when the numbers and the price and, mm-hmm. you know, and how slavery built the entire economy. Yeah. Um, and it did not shy away from it. And mm-hmm. I very much appreciated it. It was very interesting for me to be able to see. Um, and it, but it was just different because I just wouldn't imagine something like that being in one of the founders' kind of home sites. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. And it, it just was different. Yeah, for sure. Different. Because it feels like the acknowledgement of the choices that were made versus brushing them to the side with the they were great yeah but and they also did some really horrendous yeah, and yeah, horrible right. things i think Absolutely. one of the things about being a historian people are complex right yeah and you do a disservice mm-hmm. to everyone including the person when you cut out what's inconvenient yeah mm-hmm. it's like no call us your spade and move along and yeah. you grapple with it yeah that's how you understand mm-hmm. how we got where we are today right yeah well, and I think we were talking about this last week, like there's this narrative of, of teaching difficult history that I'm yeah. trying to get myself out of because I think all history is difficult. Yep. just depends on the perspective that yeah. you look exactly. at it from. Sure. Um, if you look at it from the perspective of the founders, like, yeah, 1776, you know, Declaration of Independence, a Revolutionary mm-hmm. War, yeah, that was difficult. But like, what about indigenous people? What yeah. about black people? What about yeah. women? Like, yeah, all history is difficult. Even when we look back on today, like all history is inherently yeah. difficult it just depends on you know what angle sure. you're, you're looking at it from so I'm really trying to get out of that narrative of mm-hmm. oh t- how to teach hard history well just get rid of the hard how to teach history because yeah. history is inherently yeah. hard and complex mm-hmm. and you know controversial to some but yeah. it, it, it happens right well, yeah. you can't mm-hmm. how can objective fact be controversial yeah and thinking about you know we're recording this today on what we now collectively look at as indigenous people's day Mm -hmm. but you know a couple years ago it was oh yeah it's columbus day you know and but realistically the tragedies that happened you know when columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 and just the genocide of the indigenous Mm -hmm. peoples you know that he encountered and how for so long and here in the United States, for most people, that was overlooked. But for the indigenous people that it actually happened to, and 
you know, for their descendants, that was, it was never overlooked. It was always something that they remembered and that they experienced, you know, through the memory. And for them, you know, it's, that's the reality of the history. They didn't have this, oh, well, you know, Christopher Columbus founded, you know, the new world. It was right. no, their people were, were murdered, right. you know, and it's that sort of double-sided history that it's, depending on who you're talking to, it's, it really just differs. Well, I think you speak to a broader point, like how much representation matters, mm-hmm. right? Like, because if you're not represented, then people aren't going to care about you. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, for that a long time, yes. like mm-hmm. indigenous people, you got the Washington football franchise, mm-hmm. you got yeah. the Cleveland baseball franchise, and yeah. that's basically it. And then you got Pocahontas. Like, so if you don't have the representation, yeah. like people aren't going to invest, mm-hmm. people aren't going to, even though you exist in some in some cases, yes. which is, sounds awful, but like, yeah. 100%. until you have a place, mm-hmm. like until you're seen, you just won't be. Yeah. Like, and you know, like having had students ask me in different programs at other institutions, are there Native Americans? I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah. and it's like, well, where do they live? In houses like you live, or apartments like you live, wherever like right. their economic status is. And it's like, there's this idea of what a Native American person is, right. and then there's the reality of this is a person yeah. who identifies as a Native American, and that sh- shapes their everything. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's well, a lot. When we were doing the work with the African American History and Education Commission, that wrapped up a month or so ago. Like it was so difficult, like solely focusing on the African American experience in the U.S. because there's so much overlap with yes. Indigenous. Like yeah. when you get into talk conversation about when the U.S. started to define what race was, mm-hmm. like you couldn't divorce, you know, that blackness from Indigenous because yeah. it was really white and, and other, right? Yeah. And so like there were indigenous people who were enslaved like there were there were interracial like it, yeah. it, it you couldn't separate so mm-hmm. we found ourselves constantly having to be like you know this part here we have to say something to mention indigenous because even, although it's not directly african-american mm-hmm. there is this overlap that we yeah. would be remiss and we would do a disservice to the mm-hmm. students if we didn't mention right. yeah. um, or bring light to and then like going off of that with between like black community and native community because they were all lumped together as other that caused tension and division within communities as well. So I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I know that we are close, but we can't be because we're not the same because I'm this and you're that. No. So all the trauma that goes with that as well. Well, and that, look, speaking of the podcast going places we didn't intend to, like, (laughs) I feel like, to, to, to paint a metaphor, like, minorities in the U.S. tend to be, or they try to set up minorities in the U.S. to be crabs in a bucket, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. one of them trying to get out, like, you, if you have a bucket of crabs, mm-hmm. like, you can leave them out there without the lid. Why? Because when one tries to climb out, the, the herd's going to bring them back in. So, yeah. like, either we're all oppressed or none of us are oppressed kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, they, it kind of pits minority groups against yeah. each other you know, as opposed to, to collectively yeah. trying to rise. And it's just yeah. like, if we could just get out of this mindset, we could make so much progress. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's so frustrating. Like, if we're all, everyone, if you're a citizen, you should be treated the same. Okay? You're supposed to be. And yet, yeah, 
there's the obvious one actually it's the well action it's like yeah right, fine. except it's if yeah. yeah it's exhausting we got a little off track but Leah what's the coolest object you've seen touched or smell okay. <laughs> <laughs> getting back to that I, yeah. I almost forgot what we were talking about I mean it's we're, a good conversation we're gonna circle that. back don't worry um so October 19th is Yorktown Day Yorktown Day is the day they acknowledge the victory at Yorktown Okay, so you guys already know where I'm going with this. The American Museum, yeah, the American Revolutionary Museum at Yorktown. It's one of my favorite places to go. The coolest object I've ever seen was the Book of Negroes. It's the book that records the people who left with the British um, after the revolution. It also records the people who were enslaved and were taken with the British loyalists yeah. and for years i was like oh this is amazing this book where mm-hmm. it's like those that got out they're free they left did not know until i read this canadian book on loyalists that people were still enslaved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i was like you mean to tell me my entire life i had this book it's an amazing piece yeah. which it is 100 percent it sure. is the only one of the few artifacts that everyone wants to actually touch mm-hmm. and like you know put my face really close to the glass like you know better but I need to see yeah as much as I can um and it was just like this this experience because I had waited to see it my entire life because it's like in Nova Scotia or somewhere in Canada I'm like well I'll get there eventually but it's not on the list but it was at Yorktown for an exhibit on unseen no longer something like that mm-hmm. of people who served in the American Revolution that you don't hear about Unless you're a weirdo like me that searches for yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So that that was an amazing experience. To just like, that book is, that's the one. It's right there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Anything else from, from either of you? I'm good. So, Tune in next week. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like this is a pretty good episode. I yeah. Think. Some good conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we I wouldn't say we got off the rails or, or you know, we just you know that lever in the train tracks when yeah. you when you just tilt it <laughs> and it just goes the other way. You know, we just went around, we just took yeah. the, the scenic route. Yeah, but the scenic route for sure. We arrived nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, well thank you all for tuning in to the mailbag. Remember to send your questions in to info at or via social media and make sure you tune in Monday, nine AM for the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Have a good one.